When I'm talking about winning the game of life. Right. I love that luck. facial expression. Yeah, exactly. You won a championship when you were five years old. Um, yeah. In chess, if you lose, it is 100% your fault. One thing that it's easy to miss is that there's always opportunities. They're both like just very strategic games. We're going to apply these to life. I really enjoy just competing, doing things. I always wanted to win. That was kind of like ingrained in me from a very young age. In my case, poker, in your case, chess. I feel like there's a lot of overlap just between the two games. What's up, guys? Today we've got another special guest. She's a Canadian Chinese chess grandmaster, also a content creator and esports star. Um, and uh, I get, I presume you're originally from China, Chiu Cho. Uh, Nemo, Chiu Cho. Yes, yeah. there we go. <laughs> all right, all right. I think I got it right. Um, yeah, now I uh, believe you're in Los Angeles. I didn't know there was much chess going on there. Uh, I know there's lots of content creators and lots of uh, people in the media. Um, any particular reason why LA? Uh, I just thought it would be good for, you know, meeting people, a lot of the content creation aspects, and also a little bit closer to, uh, some of the poker as well oh, as yeah. Vegas. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, for the poker, it is pretty good. And you're mm -hmm. probably able to play in, uh, some pretty good private games is my guess. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think for me, it's mostly the location where it's closer to like some of the tournaments that I'm very likely to play. Like in December, there's WPT events, like there's WSOP, like everything's just a little closer when I'm on the West Coast. Oh, okay. Okay. It's interesting. Um, yeah, I was, uh, I've been, I've actually been going to LA quite a lot and uh, it does make sense, some sense for poker, but uh, we'll get to that. I want to learn a bit about uh your career in chess because it looks very very impressive uh i understand you're like a five-time uh grandmaster or i don't know exactly how it works um it seems like you've uh basically you've won all sorts of tournaments it looks like <laughs> yeah i mean that that basically summarizes it um i've played competitively for quite a while um i've won I've won like Canadian women national championships back in 2016. I've been on the Olympia team for Canada a couple of times. I've won world youth once. Um, and yeah, I just have like one woman grandmaster title. Oh, okay. Okay. For mm -hmm. some reason. Okay. Okay. There's still, uh, yeah, it's a lot of stuff. I don't know <laughs> much about the chess uh, tournaments. It sounds like there's a bunch of chess tournament leagues. Like there are poker tournament leagues, right? There actually are. Do you play any chess yourself? Uh, I used to play when I was very young, but I, um, I would think it doesn't make much sense for me to play chess now, but, uh, I, it would be the kind of game that I would like, I would think, uh, and so I can see the similarity between chess and poker. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like there are so many people that are in poker and then they play chess and there are so many people that are in chess that switch over to poker. I feel like there's a lot of overlap just between the two games. It yeah, yeah. Um, can you explain what you found to be the overlap? Uh, what were some of the strengths that you took from chess and took the and took them to poker? Um, what what were some of the? Well, let's start with that. Uh, honestly, I think it they're both like just very strategic games. They're both games that require lots of you know analytical thinking. They're games that require a lot of study. You can't just 
pick up poker and start well you can start playing it right like as you can start playing almost any game but you're not going to be winning in it um and i think that's probably two of the like biggest similarities in chess and poker if you spend ten thousand hours um in chess you're probably going to be quite good and if you spend ten thousand hours in poker hopefully you're also going to be quite good i feel like i know people that uh at least in poker i know people that don't quite fit that bill but uh mm-hmm. Uh, need to do a little studying in poker. And I've heard uh, in chess, there's a little bit of studying too. And I also imagine there are some kinds of skills. I mean, being a little analytical is one of them, but I would think that there's other kinds of skills that would help for both. Uh, is that correct? Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, I think a lot of it is also just persistence. Like chess is a very, very long game. Well, mm-hmm. it was traditionally a very long game. These days, people play much faster formats, but um you know even 10 years ago most people were playing in like real life person to person and the games were lasting maybe four five six hours and I think yeah those are quite long you know for a single single chess game and um taking that amount of time somebody who has spent that much time playing a single game of chess I feel like also is able to just sit down and play poker for quite a long time because a lot of poker events or poker games or tournaments and stuff like that last whole days yeah yeah uh i played some that have lasted uh longer in fact also (laughs) but uh, the online stuff uh prepared me a bit um i don't know if there's other online chess tournaments too there are they're not as well that's actually not true there are some pretty big online chess tournaments these days um thanks to magnus carlson he's done like a and chess 24 they've done this huge meltwater tour but they still have some of the events happening in person it's kind of like a hybrid now that covid is over but i would say online tournaments online chess tournaments really only blew up uh during covid when people weren't able to get together and actually play chess in person so that's kind of it's kind of changed in the last two years that's kind of funny yeah because there's online i think there's online backgammon on, online poker uh yeah. well, there's, there's obviously online poker <laughs> no yeah no. of course uh, <laughs> yeah i didn't know yeah for some reason that idea never really hit me as like competitive online chess um well let's talk a little bit about your career i know you started chess at three years old which seems uh i mean could you like do anything incredible like beat your parents at like five years old oh you must have been able to like there's a good chance because uh you won a championship when you were five years old Um, yeah yeah i mean i feel like when i was first starting when i was first learning chess i didn't really have like a concept that it was going to be this game that would like define the rest of my you know life up to this point at least um but I picked up the game pretty fast and you know I learned the rules really quickly and I yeah I was I I won my first national tournament when I was five and this was when I was actually living in Finland with my parents um Mm -hmm. so that was basically where it all started really um just kind of went from there what was it that you liked so much about it I think as a, like a, when I was a kid, you know, like what I like about it is very different now versus when I was like a five-year-old. But I think when I was a five-year-old, I just liked doing something that was engaging. I think I was always a very 
like active child. Um, I, I really enjoy just competing, doing things. I always wanted to win. That was kind of like ingrained in me from a very young age. Um, and yeah, I just kept playing and, you know, won the majority of my games, which meant I was motivated to keep playing. Okay. Yeah. That helps. Uh, definitely winning. It's good. Uh, uh, I guess you could say incentive, mm. uh, to keep doing it. <laughs> uh, I'm, are there any stories of you beating people who are like 18 years old or like, uh, any like international mass? Well, they'd be real masters, I guess, but you may, perhaps you could beat them at a very young age, that sort of thing, or you beat everyone in your school. Yeah, lots of stories like that. I beat everybody in, in like the high school when I was like, you know, seven or something. Um, I, well, when I was playing the under, when I was playing as a five-year-old, I was playing in the under 10 sections and these were open sections. So uh, sometimes in chess, they, they have open sections and like women only sections and stuff like that, which I suppose poker is also kind of familiar with. Um, but they basically, yeah, they were like a little shocked because I was five. I was the only girl in the event and that was like my first event. I think I only lost one <laughs> game to second place or something like that, but I still came first. Um, it was just one of those moments where everybody was like, what is going on? Um, but yeah, and then, and then it, the, the, I would say the chess scene in Finland didn't really change as I got a little older. Uh, it was still mostly me being the only girl and a lot of like older uh, kids, but obviously eventually I actually grew into the under 10 age category. Okay. I must've felt pretty good to school all these people that thought they were smart. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's kind of yeah. funny what happens. Um, I, and I uh, read you have a score of 2367. Uh, okay, I'm a little bit of a chess uh, fish. I don't know what that's out of. I don't, I know it's an ELO rating. I don't know uh, what is that out of that out of 20. I, I keep thinking the SAT thing, which is out of 2400. <laughs> or is it out of uh, 3000? I don't know what it's out of. So there, so the way the ELO system works, um, it's also the same system they use for table tennis, which is just really random. But it, basically, each time you beat somebody else in chess, mm -hmm. you gain a certain amount of rating based on this algorithm, and that amount gets added to your rating. So everybody okay. more or less started out um, international, like for FIDA ratings, they started out around 1,000. Um, you play your first tournament and then they give you like this provisional rating, which is like, this is what we think your rating will be. And then if you play enough games in a year, they'll give you your actual rating. So for example, I think my first ever FIDA rating was actually um, 1900. This was like 10 years, 11 years ago now, maybe it was mm -hmm. 1900. And it's not because I hadn't played chess before then or anything. I just hadn't played these very specific international tournaments, but Ever since okay. then, every time I lost a game, I would lose rating. Every time I won a game, I would gain rating. And it kind of just adds up from there. Oh, okay, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I didn't really know. It sounds like it's very, like, calculated thing. In poker, we don't really have something like that. I mean, we have, like, the Hendon mob. But it doesn't really... We don't have anything that rates anyone's skill exactly. But that would be very interesting if we could do that. It's very... Poker, everything's kind of unclear. Yeah, I mean, see, that's one of the interesting things about poker is that 
well, obviously you can't track everybody's cash game winnings, but there's always Hendon Mob and you can look at what everybody's like lifetime winnings are and things like that. Do you think that actually gives a good representation of what poker players' skills actually are? Or do you think it's sometimes a game of numbers, like the more buy-ins you you put out, you know, the more you're going to make and stuff like that? Uh, well... The more buy-ins you put out, you generally don't want to put out too many buy-ins, ideally. Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, I, I would think that learning is very non-linear with poker players and that people don't really don't really learn in the most efficient way for a variety of reasons, uh, because there's more of an emotional uh, learning correction that has to happen in poker. You have to change the way that you uh, respond to things. Um, I, I have to ask, so let me give you an example, because I'm curious if this exists in chess. In poker, um, for example, there's a number of uh, situations where you have to kind of get used to being uh, at risk to like what will happen. Uh, for mm-hmm. example, you know, when many players start out, they have this tendency to bet to protect their hand from overcards, things like that. But as you get better you start to realize that that principle doesn't really apply in a lot of situations. So you have to like let people um, suck out essentially is one way of looking at it. So you have to correct that tendency of like, oh shit, I got to like not face this, uh, this annoying thing. You have to like correct yourself emotionally. Does something like that exist in chess? In chess, I would say that you are always playing the best move, no matter what your opponent. See, this is one of those things where I feel like I'm very traditional in the way that I approach chess. There are definitely people that might play differently against somebody who is weaker these days. But when I was growing up, I was always taught that I'm going to play the absolute best move because it is a perfect, it's a complete information game. Given an X amount of time, or if I was given like, you know, there are chess engines, just like how there are poker engines. Like, yeah, there's, but, but in chess, there's no, like, you should do this 80% of the time. There's oh. none of that. You should do this move a hundred percent of the time. And oh, if you okay. don't make this move a hundred percent of the time, you should make the second move a hundred percent of the time. There's no, like, oh, you should do this against this rating, or you can, you can like toss a die and then decide which one you want to play. There's almost never anything like that in chess. Oh, okay. Um, so yeah, that's probably like a huge difference between playing chess and playing poker. You um, actually, go ahead. I, I was just going to say, but obviously there's also times when it's like, you know, you're playing against somebody weaker, you know, they're going to fall for this trick. So then you like make a subpar move, but theoretically that should not be a thing, right? Like you just shouldn't do it. You know, you shouldn't do it, but you're going to do it because you that, find sounds it like a, <laughs> that sounds like a yeah. funny thing to do. Yeah. Um, do something stupid on purpose. Um, okay. That, that wasn't exactly my question, but, uh, I guess indirectly it answers part of my question. I don't know if you have this like feeling of, um, like you get sucked out on in chess. Like, I don't know if that, does that even happen? Do you even get like, do you even get sucked out on or does the other player get super lucky that a certain card came? Do any of those feelings kind of exist in chess or, or no? No, in chess, if you lose, it is a hundred percent your fault. Unfortunately, there is, there is no shot. Well, you can get unlucky in the sense that, but then it's not real luck, right? So like you get unlucky in the sense that, oh shoot, how did I forget to calculate this 
like move or like, oh shoot, how did my opponent actually see this? I know would never have expected him to see this, but that's not real luck. That's just, you know, at some percentage people don't play optimally, right? Um, sure. But there's no like actual luck. There's not no real feeling of getting sucked out or anything like that. If you lose, it's probably your fault. You probably oh. made a mistake. Okay, yeah, that's a big difference. It's a big difference because there is actually luck in poker, but also what I mean to point out is that dealing with those kinds of emotional uh, um, experiences is a part of poker also, whereas it sounds like you don't really have to deal with these new kinds of like frustrations or whatever uh -huh. in chess. You don't like get really cocky or maybe you get really cocky. <laughs> if you always win, it's appropriate. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. <laughs> See, that's one of the things that I always want to like, I think that's something that's so interesting when I talk to chess players that play poker or poker players that also play chess is like, what would you rather? Would you rather know that you lost because of luck or would you rather know you lost because it was your fault and you did something dumb or you did you made a mistake? Like, what is the worst feeling between those two? Well, you know what the funny thing is, is that in a spirituality, it's actually an illusion is that actually when you, I mean, yeah, it's your fault, but that's still, you still almost had no, like, how do you say, if you look at it from a different perspective, you, you like couldn't have done any better. So mm. um, there's no should have, that's that's wow, uh, yeah. an illusion. Um, and actually you, that you just did the best for however you did there. So you're supposed to forgive yourself, which is actually the optimal thing you're supposed to do in that moment. You're supposed to forgive what you did in the past and even science shows this if you read a book about uh about i believe a book about willpower a book precisely uh willpower whatever it was uh it says exactly this and supported by science and um yeah so uh i mean between those i find it easier to accept when things are are luck in the more traditional sense mm -hmm. for me uh took take some time for me to get over that especially in like really big situations right um but yeah that's my answer to that question that's honestly an answer i probably like i haven't heard of that before i haven't heard of the fact that you're you know being able to forgive yourself and like realizing that yeah maybe you just couldn't have done better is is such a hard i think that's such a thing it's a thing that i've really struggled with accepting throughout my entire chess playing career and obviously I'm like not a very good poker player, but it's much easier for me, I guess, to accept that, oh shoot, he just had it here. Oh, well, moving on. Um, so that's actually a really interesting way that I'm going to like try to approach my chess games from now on. It's like, you know what? It was what it was. Yeah, well here we're, call we're talking about winning the game of life, which, uh, you know, means we have to, uh, be optimal when we do make mistakes, which is going to happen anyway, eventually, uh, or do the right thing, given that we made mistakes. Mm -hmm. Poker can be kind of like mm -hmm. that also. Yeah. Um, I want to talk a little bit about how you ended up becoming a content creator, because my impression, I don't know a whole lot. It sounds like content creation is not really a, it sounds like there's not, not a lot of chess players doing that. And it looks like you've got like, pretty a pretty big following which from chess uh does not sound easy to do um the channel uh is ask uh nemsco mm -hmm. aka uh, nemsco yeah 
AKA, oh, excuse me, AKA Nemco for the listeners. <laughs> yeah, I'm a bit curious as uh, as to what, how did, how did you make that transition and what are you doing that's getting you so many followers? Uh, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm a bit curious how you built your follower base and if this is a common thing in chess, can you talk about that? Uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, I had basically quit like competitive chess, professional chess when I was 17. Uh, just no particular reason other than like I've played it for seven, not 17, 14 years at that time, was ready to go oh. to university, like do all the, you know, <laughs> <Wait>. life stuff. <laughs> Wait, you were a professional chess player when you were three years old? Well, tech, technically. So see, this is one of those hard parts <laughs> about, about like what even constitutes a professional chess player because chess players don't make a lot of money. Like our biggest, so apart, if you're not like part of the top 20 in chess, your biggest tournament win, wins are probably like $3,000, Yeah, which is, yeah, exactly. Right. Right. I love Good that luck. facial expression. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, I played it every single day for about seven hours. So what, what really cost, like, sure. I guess I was a kid, so I can't really say I was professionally like playing chess or something like that, but it was definitely like a career. So anyways, um that aside i basically like quit competitive chess when i was like 17 was like i'm done with this i'm just gonna go to school and get a job like every you know most people that were um around my age at that time and then the pandemic hit in 2020 um and school kind of got effectively canceled i guess and nobody was like really doing anything at school like i could just cruise through classes. So I had so much time on my hands. And um, that's when Botez, Alex Botez, uh, who is, you know, just one of, mm -hmm. she's amazing. She got me into streaming by just like asking me to, I was just streaming like once a week on her channel or something like that. And then chess like super blew up that summer uh, during the summer of co like the first year of COVID. I think everybody was at home. People didn't have a lot to do. <laughs> they were like, okay, let's play chess online. Um, and they really blew up. So I ended up leaving Boda's Live and then got my own channel. And I've kind of just been doing it since. And then there was the Queen's Gambit, which also like, you know, just, yeah, all of that stuff. Okay. Okay. Um, and uh, were you, um, are you just playing chess online or what is... Uh... What are you doing when you're streaming? Like, uh, because you have a lot of followers. <laughs> Maybe you're already famous. Like, uh, I don't know. Are you doing something besides chess? Are you hilarious? Uh, I, what's your secret? Yeah. I, I mean, I think I do. I think I like to keep it always fun. I think when chess blew up, it really blew up. People just wanted to see people play chess. So that was something I did um, was just play chess a lot, a lot of it. And okay. now I do a lot of like, I try to do a lot of content that's not just, well, I mean, I'm still playing chess with most of it, but for example, I, you know, look over my viewers games and stuff like that. And I kind of like roast them. Well, I don't actually, but I like, I just analyze. I, like, I hope that you do. <laughs> I mean, I do, but it's like, there's not much to say, right? Like, well, there is a lot to say, but the skill disparity just makes it very funny to like look at people's games so I just do a lot of fun stuff with my community um, I try to get people to play chess I do collaborations with other people where I teach them I go out into the park and like play against people in person I've like challenged the hustlers in New York City that was a really fun segment 
Um, and I do like a bunch of things just revolving around chess and travel these days and like other games as well. Okay. Okay. I, I read also that, uh, you play games like League of Legends and, uh, mm -hmm. there's some puzzle action going on, <laughs> uh, and, uh, yeah, some puzzle rush. I don't know what that is. It sounds kind of funny though. It's, it's like solving chess puzzles, but like really yeah. fast. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, all of that. Maybe that's fun. I, I mean, Could I don't know. Uh, I do like puzzles, so I could try one and see how I do. Uh -huh. um, well, who would have thought the great chess boom of 2020? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. And, and nowadays, I do so many things that are just not even chess related. related. Like, for example, um, poker or like League of Legends. Well, I don't play as much currently, but I used to play a lot of it. Um, yeah, just do like, you know, just kind of events or like things. I just try to do things that I find enjoyable and what I think people would like to watch. All right, well, how did you, um, how are you finding poker and how'd you get into that? I got into poker thanks to um, a WPT cash game that I was sponsored to play in sometime basically exactly a year ago i think exactly one year ago i played that it was a 2550 cash game um wpd bought me in i had never played a cash game before i had like prior to that i was figuring out what a straight was literally the day of <laughs> i was like what is a straight what's a flush all right how do i hold chips um i had very little experience with poker i played very briefly online fader kind of fader holds kind of got me um asked if we could do like a chess lesson for a poker lesson kind of thing earlier in the year so i like i had at least some concept what going all in was um but beyond that, no idea. And I met my poker coach at that event. Well, prior to that event, he like helped me very briefly with learning about, you know, just the absolute basics. And since then, I've just been really interested in playing the game. Um, I think not losing in that game in the first game I ever played was also extremely helpful. Uh, like I played against some pros like Kelly Minkin and um, Anna, Oh wait, shoot, forgetting the name now. I feel bad. Um, but yeah, there's just there were just so many people at that game and they were extremely positive. And like Schwan was there. Yeah. Just a lot of people that I met. I'm still friends with them. And I just kind of gravitated towards playing more poker. Uh, okay. Are you finding it um easy to adjust? Is it uh how is the process of learning it going? And are you winning a whole lot or are you going to fly to all these WPT events and play them in Europe? Uh, what are the plans with that? Or is it just like a little a bit uh, of a hobby? Yeah, I mean, I played the WSOP this year. I think I played five events and I catch, cashed two of them. So I was really happy with that. Mm -hmm. um, it was basically like the first, this is my first year playing WSOP seriously, because last year I had no idea what I was doing in the ladies, but this year I cashed both the ladies and the Millie Maker, so I was super happy. Um, I'm actually flying to Barcelona today to play in the EPT. Oh, nice. So, Barcelona yeah. Barcelona is amazing. Are you, any you're going to be at EPT? That one I'm not, but maybe, no, I'm not going to go to that one, but I might go to Cyprus. Okay, yeah. Poker is just 
it's just so fun to play. It's it's like I used to travel a lot for chess tournaments, but traveling for chess tournaments is kind of lame because you have to play a game every day for 11 days straight. And it's like seven hours of your day is just chess. I think with poker, it's a lot more uh, casual. You can like talk to people during your game. You know, you can like get up, walk around. Just anyways, it's it's just a much more relaxed I wouldn't say relaxed because it's extremely stressful, as I'm sure you you know, but it's it's a very different vibe that I enjoy immensely. Um, so I definitely have plans to play more tournaments. I definitely want to play more cash games, especially being in L.A. Um, there is some. Yeah, there's a lot of things that I want to get more into and do more of. Uh, OK, OK. Well, there's definitely more money in poker than in chess. That much I can promise you. Uh, <laughs> certainly, if you find I mean, I'm sure you can find the right private games there's just a lot of the private games are are kind of sketchy but uh yeah if you find the right private games and get good enough you can make quite some money and um as long as, as long as you can handle uh this variance and the swings of poker probably a little different from chess you can be uh-huh. uh one thing i know is you can be like the best player at uh poker uh you can certainly think you are too there's a big difference between thinking you are and uh actually being and still there's tons of uh you can lose all the time whereas it, you basically never lose in chess <laughs> right absolutely yeah. it's yeah even the best poker players in the world lose sometimes right like it's just it more happens. than sometimes, more than sometimes <laughs> exactly it, it it just happens and i that's that's probably going to be like a really it's something that i've started to see a lot where i'm like oh there's no way that they can lose it or, or something like that like you know and i just don't have a deep enough understanding and i'm like Oh my gosh how did that happen right like yeah so uh, i i get it well uh the theme of this podcast is uh winning the game of life which can mean uh things with an altruistic bent uh and that sort of thing it it, it, it means a few things but do you have any altruistic plans in the future or plans otherwise it doesn't have to be altruistic um just what are your plans basically um honestly I really like the name of the podcast. I feel like I need to do a little bit more of it. Um, me too. I think I just need to really grind something. I don't even know if <laughs> that makes vague. sense. It, it is pretty vague. It just feels like I'm not putting enough of myself out there or like I'm not doing a good enough job at xyz things and i think my goal for like this year is to just really figure out what it is that i want to do <laughs> this sounds like the most i don't know it's like 20 year old thing ever but i i truly do just want to find something that i i really enjoy putting a lot of energy effort and something that i want to see myself do for a longer period of time and you know really like try to succeed at it okay it sounds like you've got a pretty solid platform with your, um, you know, your YouTube thing. Uh, I don't know if you know, but the to have over two hundred thousand followers is like already in the top one percentile. Uh, well, you probably know that actually, but uh, it seems like I don't know. It seems like you've got some momentum wherever you're going. Uh, my personal thought on uh, winning the game of life is basically applying the techniques for using strategy and emotional adjustment to uh, succeed in other areas of life because like why not take those same skills and succeed at other things just the way that you took the skills from chess and are applying them to poker yeah absolutely so I've always struggled with mental health when I was growing up 
Um, I think a large part of the reason is just because when you are so competitive at like three years old, you just kind of grow up a little bit, you know, at least for me, I grew up just being extremely obsessed with competition um, and not just with like other people, but also just with myself, um, like everything I did, I felt like I wasn't doing a good enough job of. Um, I also had like particularly Asian parents and the general stereotypes kind of fit in with that where expectations were just really high of me when I was growing up. So something that I've started to do a lot of when I, you know, became, got older and everything was that sort of what going back to what you said earlier about just accepting like you did the best that you could and there probably wasn't a lot more you could do I've started really trying to tell myself that and like just in a lot of situations where I'm like oh shoot I should have done this like last year or why didn't I set up my YouTube channel better two years ago and you know little things like that where I'm like oh I could have like normally I would just really beat myself up over all of these um what I consider as mistakes, but also is just like, you know, things that I didn't do. I try to like, let them go and just work on it, work on them for the future and be like, okay, you know what? That's done. Move on. Let's see what I can do this month or let's see what I can do this week. I uh, actually had a very similar problem, but I didn't, I wasn't competitive at the age of three exactly, but definitely when I was in, in poker, I was very competitive and like was a very perfectionistic in the sense of, uh, I would get really mad if I, I would forget about all the times that I did something good uh -huh. and I would get, I'd focus on those like little mistakes. Like, oh, I should have done that better. Uh, or if it was a really big mistake, it would like haunt me for days. Right. Uh, oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, I made like one $50,000 mistake on TV, for example, that was super obvious and like uh, things like that. But yeah, um, kind of almost paradoxically, the way to uh we talked about this the optimal way to deal with that um uh, for oneself is to not be too harsh on oneself uh, which i find it funny and to like focus a bit on the positive a bit there's some kind of balance mm -hmm. uh additionally another interesting fact and this is what i find uh very interesting is applying this strategy this uh, this concept of analytical strategy to social dynamics of like social behavior and that sort of thing um oh i have another thought for you too but applying that uh the strategy to social dynamics which is essentially what i'm trying to do or a big part of what i'm trying to do and you can see that if if someone else messes up and they really tried you don't want to like disparage them too much because then the message that they receive uh, especially when, you know, they're younger and don't know any better right. is the message they receive is you're not good enough or like yeah. there's something wrong with you, which is a really bad message actually, uh, to tell someone it's actually to be like a little bit more, it's the same idea that to be a little it, to, to invert the, um, the, like you, you miss these expectations and to say something like you have these good traits, you tried your best, mm -hmm. uh, and you can do better next time sort of thing. Um, there's a sort of like, I, I use the word invert because it's like doing the opposite of what, uh, what the, what the apply more pressure is, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, does what I, what I'm saying make sense to you? Absolutely. I think that's, that's really how 
I wish I was taught a lot of things as I was growing up and why I'm still, why I'm going through therapy and working on how to like really take criticism, but not in a very harsh way, because I just have like this trauma of like just being told that everything I do was bad or incorrect growing up. And even these days when people are like extremely nice about correcting my mistakes or something like that, my brain just automatically shuts off and I'm like, you're attacking me when that's not necessarily what they mean. Yeah, dealing with these sort of, uh, there can be some, I mean, there's a lot of psychology around this, especially when uh, when uh, people are growing up, um, these sorts of things. I've been, I delved into that myself a little bit, uh, but that's where like the effect of altruism comes in. That, that's partly why I've been in, uh, or it's related to the fact I'm in children's education. I also have another thought for you and for the audience is that a, uh, one thing that it's easy to miss is that there's always opportunities of sorts to do things and do more things. Uh, mm -hmm. At least uh, I keep telling myself that, and that if you miss some, there's still more coming at some point. Uh, at least, uh, yeah, that's that's the hope anyway. There's not much else to really say, but maybe that makes someone feel better. Maybe that makes you feel better. <laughs> I I like to think that the world doesn't usually just let you, you know, out to try. I think there's always, if you're somebody who is at least hardworking, looking for opportunities, has an open mind to trying things, I think there's always going to be opportunities out there. It might not necessarily be exactly what you want off the start, but once again, right? Like there's so many things you can transition to, transition from, take your past experiences and then really apply them to like the game of life. There's just so many things that you can do in 2022. So absolutely. Yeah. And uh, be interesting to see, looking forward to see how you do in poker and if uh, you do something, make a creative turn with uh, your chess stream or just keep building that. Uh, I didn't know there, were, I didn't know there were streamers for chess pyramid. <laughs> and I didn't know there were any streamers that had 250,000 followers, I'm <laughs> sure, that weren't Magnus Carlsen or whatever, um, or Bobby, or not Bobby Fisher, the other some like, super famous <laughs> Russian or something. <laughs> I, I appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> um, is there anything else you would like to talk about before we go? Um, I don't think so. I really appreciate the conversation. I actually, I do want to ask you, what books do you recommend? I have a 12 hour flight, so I would love to like get some books on my Kindle for the flight. I have countless books in all sorts of, uh, I mean, one funny thing about knowledge and learning is that the more you learn the more you learn that you you don't know uh right. it's the irony there's all sorts of books there's all sorts of things so you need to pick a subject uh to um to talk to go into the willpower book i believe is called uh the willpower instinct it's a pretty good book okay um, yeah i mean what subject yeah, mostly, uh, I think things like that. I was recently reading uh, Peak. I was recently reading Range. Um, oh, Range like, is really good. That's yeah, a, I really liked that, it. That's probably one of, uh, it's definitely up there. If there, I'd probably give that one a, almost a 10 out of 10. That There are some really interesting ideas in that book that are relevant to the modern world. Um, yeah, any uh, any particular sectors? I can recommend one or two more. Yeah, I think the willpower instinct is really good. Uh, anything on like effective altruism? I've I've never really heard of that concept before. Uh, very... Well, on the subject of like 
applied effect altruism? Not exactly, but uh, there's something called, for example, the rational optimist, which okay. will show you that the world is actually going in a positive direction. But related to that is this book called uh, Non-Zero, which basically talks about the certain inevitabilities in the way that society has developed, which are leading to uh, at least on the whole, a better and better situation from when uh, we humanity was just in its chieftain ages, from when they went to the feudal ages. Uh, basically, there's less and less corruption, and it and it appears that in the future there will be a better situation for humanity. At least it seems like if you know the planet isn't totally fucked up, uh, <laughs> that that might be the case. Um, yeah, I think those in particular. Uh, you know, I haven't really thought of any, I, I'm trying to think of other ones regarding effective altruism. Uh, one that isn't very obvious is, uh, Nassim Taleb's skin in the game, okay. which he talks about all the problems with modern day society and the way that, uh, the way that the way that, uh, the, the things that are organized that doesn't um, that allows people to get away with all sorts of uh, small crimes, I guess you could say, of uh, inequities mm -hmm. um, is currently messed up in today's society. And people need to have more, you know, skin in the game. They need to bear the consequences of what they do more. Um, he's very, he has a lot of interesting ideas. Uh, and uh, a forewarning is that he's very arrogant. So you okay. used to that reading style. But his uh, his books are very entertaining. I mean, writes in a way that most people just don't write. Yeah, I really appreciate those. I'm going to get them. And yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for your time. Is there anywhere where our listeners can go find out more more about you? Yeah, um, I will, you can do Twitch, twitch.tv slash Nemsco. Yeah. Um, it's probably the best. And then you can follow all of my random thoughts on Twitter or my lifestyle stuff on Instagram. They're both, they're all the accounts are AK Nemsco. I have very different accounts. I think I'm like very different on each social platform. So, um, okay. Venture at your own risk. <laughs> Why not? Uh, well, yeah, we're looking for entertaining chess tweets and more information. Um, yeah. Be sure to check out, uh, Nemo at, uh, we'll, we'll provide the links, but yes, yeah, uh, yeah. thank you for your time. Yeah. Thank you so much. Take mm -hmm. care. <laughs>